RPS. Live from Premier Beta Sound 2022. Proudly presented by Cupra. are still here in Radio Primavera Sound chatting with anyone who comes across and wants to talk in our studio. Now we have here one of the my unmissable gigs of the whole Primavera Sound 2022 lineup from Provident, Rhode Island, from the legendary noise duo Lightning Ball, Brian Chippendale. How are you? I'm doing great. Am I close enough to this thing? Far? Close? You're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. I feel great. Are you good with your, your tech? Like you have home recording studio equipment? I'm so bad with my tech. I'm terrible, but I do it. Um, I have a cassette four track at home and I record all of our practices on cassette four track. How many practices do oh. you have now in archive? Do you know? So many. All of them in cassette. On cassette, like little cassette. Like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have so many. A couple things have snuck onto records. Um, Earthly Delights was a record that has a few cassette recordings on it. Like a couple songs are from the cassettes, just like cool jams that, you know, kind of uh, we couldn't couldn't repeat. So uh, your last album was on 2019. Yeah, Sonic Citadel. You, you could release any of those cassettes and make an album too. I know. We yeah. There's so much. It's like <laughs> we're so busy playing. Or I and I also do a lot of solo stuff, so I, I'm mm -hmm. playing solo a lot. Like it's I've like been. Bus. Yeah, I've been putting cassette solo stuff. During COVID, I started trying to put stuff up on Bandcamp. So there's that's something I've been doing. A lot of times, like we're playing so much, it's hard to have time to listen. Mm -hmm. So we just like <laughs> just pile up cassettes. Because playing like, your style of music must be a lot of fun. But do you enjoy listening to your your own music? Funny enough, I do. But <laughs> you know what? I enjoy listening to the practices more than the album. <laughs> I listen to the cassettes. I'm the only one. I get it's just for me. I listen to the cassettes and then everyone else gets like the albums which are like the, you know, the songs played the way they're supposed to be played or whatever. But the cassettes are just like all over the place. And so I'm and, in I'm into that. And the other Brian, Brian Gibson, does he enjoy listening to the demos? He doesn't listen to any of it. <laughs> he doesn't listen to the albums or the demos. But is it also a way of like correcting things that you're, you're, are you looking for a perfection as a drummer or a performer? Oh, no, I mean, I, I, I no, no, no. I'm not looking for, I'm just looking to like become tired. <laughs> That's my goal as a drummer and to produce like interesting things. But um, like, what's the, what, why do I prefer one over the other or something? Is that? Well, no, you know, like, like for instance, you know how Japanese sushi masters always work for perfection for their entire lives. And that's the way they, it, they become so good because they always feel that it's never perfect. The work is never done. Right. So I thought, is that that kind of mindset where are you one of those drummers that is like, no, no, it's still not perfect. It's still not, oh, you know, you, God, I, you no. have like an ideal that's just unreachable. I'm so far from that. I'm like the opposite kind of drummer. I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna sit down. I'm just gonna like throw my arms around as fast as I can, and like, you know, maybe I'll find something new. And if I do something cool, I'm not gonna do. I won't even repeat it. I'm not. I don't even like. Usually when I play, like if 
if I do something rad, I don't, I don't suddenly stop, think about it, dissect it, and sort of do it again and make it perfect. I usually just be like, that's awesome, and then I move <laughs> on. Like, I'm just always sort of moving forward, and every once in a while, I kind of reflect and, like, steer the ship towards perfection. But I'm usually just sort of on some weird ride that leads nowhere near perfection. And, and how do you keep track of everything you've recorded? You know, in I just have a little, I either put a lightning bolt on the tape and then a date, or I put like, a, um, or I write pus, because it's black pus is my sole thing. So that's how I keep track. And then I have shelves, and I like put the stuff on shelves. And are you aware now of like the value of things that haven't been released? And even like, you know, that by the end, by the, when you're an old man, that, that stuff will have so much value because you captured oh, a moment in time. Are you I, aware of that? I am an old man. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like when you get to, we were talking about, well, yeah. bots, uh, when you, <laughs> well, for sure. I, th I mean, I, I, I sometimes think that like, okay, you know, sometime later on, like maybe when we will stop playing so much or something and I'll have time to reflect on this stuff and go through it or like after I die, like somebody else can go through this stuff and like fish out good parts. And I know, and I have like sometimes, I kind of know, I've, I've maybe, I've like listened to stuff and mixed some stuff down and made notes and I know where some good stuff is and I know there's like masterpieces and like hidden gems. So it's, it's an archive for sure that, like I think Sonic Youth just put a record out or something recently. Yeah. About an archive, and a, only demos. Right, an archive. So, I mean, that possibility is there. It's it's a little harder when you're in a two-piece band because it's like there's no tiebreaker vote. Like, hey, we should start releasing the archive. And the other guy's like, nah. And then <laughs> you're like, it. end of discussion. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll ask again next year. Was the plan always to be a duo? Or was it just a circumstance like there was just the two of you who were invested in, in, in this ambition of creating this, this wonderful sound? It was kind of, it was just kind of the circumstance just sort of came around that way. We, we actually, we started as a duo in 1994. We played, I think, one show as a duo. Um, and then we got a singer for a year, a year and a half. This guy, Hisham Barucha, who went on to be the drummer in Black Dice, which mm -hmm. is a great band from the States. Um, And then he left that, and now he does something called Soft Circle and a bunch of other stuff. But so Hisham was in the band for a year as a singer, and it was fun. It was cool, but um, we just, and it was like we were in college, and he would like go home for the summer. He'd go to Japan for the summer, and we'd be like, ah, we'd just be sitting around Providence. So we sort of just kept going and came up with an, an identity without him, and then we split, we split away. And then, yeah, at that point, we just stuck to two. I don't know. In the beginning, it was sort of like we enjoyed the simplicity of two, and we still do, but now there's, I mean, it. in the beginning, I feel like it actually sounded more minimal, and it was just like, okay, this is a duo band, and they're minimal, and now we're like a duo band, and it's kind of like less minimal. It's, you know, it sounds like a rock, sounds pretty much like a full rock band to me. Talking about this evolution that you've been playing since 94, and you were both alone, don't you get tired of each one? Do I get tired of, of each, each other? Of, yeah. Of you and oh, the other. Yeah, you would think so. Oh my God. I mean, we have gotten tired of each other for sure over the years. Uh, there's been periods of like, let's take a year off or a year and a half off. Um, or we just don't, I don't know, we just don't even make a decision. We just don't see each other for a while. Um, <laughs> organically. Yeah, organically. It is, it's a little baffling that we're still together. I, something about the, um, it's like my oldest. One of my oldest, my one of my oldest serious relationships. Like, I've been hanging out with Brian Gibson, but I, you know, long. I've been married for 10 years and been with my wife for like 20 years, but I've been with Brian Gibson for longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that happens, isn't it? It's like with 
us with our work, you know, our work colleagues. We we've we've been together more hours sometimes than with our with our partners and stuff. And you, yeah, it's this kind of dynamic. But do you, I mean, they always say two's a two's company, three's a crowd. No, yeah. there's that kind of saying. Like maybe if you would have been a three piece, tensions would have arisen and you would have had someone mediating. I don't know. Maybe, but also like two is like paralysis and three's decision making. Sometimes uh, that's that whole like, should we release the archive? Should we not release the archive? You want to take a left at this turn? You want to take a right? Uh, left, right. Uh, stop. So it's, I don't know, but somehow we figured it out. We used to be kind of aggro. Yeah. Like I would play for like 10 minutes and be like, that riff sucks. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh. And you just sort of shut down. And then we, I don't know, somehow we got through that time. And now we're a little, now we just play for 10 minutes. I'm just like, I'm tired. <laughs> and we're like, cool. Do you notice that with with the age? Do you notice that you 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 have to like keep a bit of a kind of a training routine to keep in shape for tours like when you come here? I would think so, but I actually feel great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I'm kind of baffled by it. We've been playing like an hour a night and um aside from my like the skin of my hands peeling off, mm -hmm. yeah. I just a little bit. Um Ooh. uh aside from that, I I feel great. I don't understand. I'm 48 and I'm like feel fucking great you look younger you, you there's a fire in your eyes there's yeah yeah i also get really wound up when i'm like uh, in front of this invisible glass that no one can see through <laughs> to watch all these people that's a mirror in fact no <laughs> let's talk about primavera sound i mean can you remember how many times you've played this festival i can we've played it once <laughs> it's no, the first you, time no you played shut no, up this, no we haven't played yet this will be our second time yeah But we played ah. it once, uh, I don't remember. 2008? And I think last time you visited Barcelona was in 2015, oh. maybe, when when you were touring... Uh, how Wait, did I forget one? The no. Fantasy Empire tour, I think. I'm sure you've played more than, than, than this one and another one. I'm sure. I, I remember my friends from, you know, my other musician friends, like everyone going losing their shit. I'm not sure we've played. I mean, maybe I'm having a gap, but I... <laughs> I remember playing at Primavera and we played on this like huge stage and there were like a fucking shit ton of people and I was like, wow, this is a lot of people. And people were like, are you nervous? Because we, you know, we usually play in like a, at that time and still today, it's, you know, just be like in a, some weird basement junk shop with like yeah. 150 yeah. people or whatever. And they're like, there's 5,000 people here. Are you nervous? And I was kind of like, I'm not, I'm not any more nervous. I'm not any more nervous. I'm actually like psyched. I think... I actually like playing in front of a ton of people because it just because our music like you can't make mistakes. I mean, you kind of can, but it's just like if I get nervous and I play too fast, it's just like crazier music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which in my mind is like an accomplishment. But there's also an element that the, the, the thing about lightning bolt gigs is that you always prefer to perform in the round, like surrounded by the audience and everyone circling around you. Whereas on in a Primavera or a festival, you have to be on stage. Yeah. Was that a bit of a mm, bummer well, for you guys? Originally, yeah, it was like a it was a change because I think that was one of the first times we'd ever played on the stage. Maybe like we just ah. started, had, had, had begun to do that whenever that was the first like 2008 or something. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was pretty weird. But again, I kind of loved it. I was like, wow, people can actually like see us play. Like usually it's kind of, um, we're playing and it's, it was this event. Like, ah, there's some, you know, half the people in the room were like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I think there's a band playing, but everyone seems psyched and it's like loud and people are spinning around or something. But then suddenly we went up on stage and it was like, oh wow, they're like playing, they're like pretty good. They're not just like mm -hmm. complete anarchists. They're actually like playing some tunes. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I, I like people watching me spin my arms around and stuff. So 
I'm into. I'm into both. I think they're both. They both have different value. I mean, there's nothing better than playing like in a small room with a bunch of people on top of you. I'm waving and I'm talking at the same time. <laughs> check it out, train monkey. I mean, it's not difficult for you. You're the yeah, drummer check it out. and you're like a singer. Yeah, I do this all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know everybody. It, it, it's, it is a special skill set being, you know, ambidextrous and being able to sing at the same time. I mean, Phil Collins does it, and you do it, and okay, there are more singing drummers. No, <laughs> Sergi, you, you, you're me the and Phil Collins. Really. You and Phil Collins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but did you ever try to sort of impose that on festivals? Like, uh, could we play in the round? Like, could you create a situation for us where we could? We used to do it like uh, the old ATP festivals, yeah, which we played like a lot. Um, we would always play in the round, so you know, like Sonic Youth would play, and then we'd play after them in the round, like in the middle of like a thousand people, Ooh. and it would be a mess, but it would be yeah. awesome. And then also we would solve it by like, okay, we'll play like we'll play in the morning in the crowd somewhere, and we'll play in the afternoon in the crowd somewhere, and then we'll play like in the evening in the crowd somewhere. So like over the course of the festival, you know. A certain amount of people get to see it, you know. So it's sort of like we like almost franchise ourselves, like just sort of. I don't know. Small shows played more often, yeah. but it's just it's. But it's so much effort. It was so much effort. So, yeah. and then I don't know. I I really did at some point in our in our career or whatever. I started to be more sensitive towards the like shorter people in the crowd and like the people that didn't want to sort of battle their way to the front. And now we we really weigh whether it's going to be stage or if it's going to be floor, just show to show. Um, so if it's small enough, if you know it's like 200 people or 250 people, we'll try to play on the floor. And if it goes up from there, we usually try to play up on the stage or something. I mean, imagine there must be uh, inconveniences with being in the like the cables and stuff. Like if you're playing a, a venue and there's like 200 people, it can get chaotic. Have you ever had those situations where people? you know marshing and stuff like pull out plugs and oh yeah yeah huh. oh yeah yeah amps falling on our head <laughs> oh yeah yeah chaos yeah, there, there was one on chaos it was one i mean one of my favorite shows again I, it's sort of amazing no one ever really got hurt i mean a little bit hurt maybe but um we played in la and we were on this this was a million years ago like 20 years ago we were on this tour called the oops tour which was with the Locust. Um, it was like a, just a bunch of weirdo bands. Like Wolf Eyes was on some shows mm. and this band Erebon Radar from Providence. Mm -hmm. It was like a lot of these strange shows from that time or strange bands from that time period. These kind of like bands that didn't really fit together, but they shoved them together. But we played in LA and um, it was just like super chaotic. So it, I, I don't know, a little bit into our set, like my floor tom went off that way into the crowd and my like little toms went off that way into the crowd. And there was like a kid like wrapped around the drum, the snare drum stand. <laughs> so I was like, I had one kid holding that and enough people around the kick drum. So it didn't go anywhere. So that's all I had left. And the cymbals mounted on the kick drum. So I was just playing those two things. And then I don't know how long we got, but at some point Gibson just holds up his bass and someone had like torn the cable out of his bass. And then with that had come like a lot of the insides, like the oh. guts of the bass. Oh. And we were like, thank you a lot. We're done. Well, that's <laughs> over. <laughs> you killed the show. Yeah. But we got through, we've never been like at that point, we were never defeated by the crowd, you know, or like too early. Like we got through enough of the set where it was like, it was a full show. Yeah. And I mean, I miss that. Like you can't, it doesn't get better than that, but it, it also is awesome to just be like a rock band that plays like has you know working on their craft and is debuting their mm -hmm. sonic vocabulary it's, i don't know yeah what do you going back to recorded music uh you talked about your side project uh, black bus 
but you also uh, have an album with Ty Siegel. It's true. Mm-hmm. A project, side project called Wasted Shirt, which I really enjoyed the, that, that album. Is there going to be a continuation? So Wasted Shirt 3, 2? Yeah, I think we... No, there is. We were talking about it. Um, there's no the cassettes, maybe. <laughs> there's no cassette. Oh, my God. That, that was the totally the opposite process. So with like my own stuff and with Lightning Bolt, we just jam, 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 mm-hmm. and then we try to like find something in the jams to make a song out of. With me and Ty, like... I went there um, on day one, like we wrote the first song. On day two, we wrote the second song. You know, it was just like it took us seven days and we did seven songs or eight songs or something. We never jammed once. It was just sort of like, hey, you got a beat? And I was like, here's a beat. And then he'd do guitar and then we'd like brainstorm some lyrics. So it was a completely different process. It was, it was just kind of like, let's make a thing today and be done with it. And it was awesome. It was super fun. And he's really easy to work with. So, uh, that's always the thing, isn't it? Like some some artists overthink too much, and sometimes it'll take three years to get like just seven songs put down. And others have a crazy process where it's like, let's no think, just do. Yeah. From your experience, what's oh, yeah. what's worked out the best for for you? Yeah, Ty Siegel is not an overthinker <laughs> at all. He was just like at the end of our whole thing, like we would we would work till like seven or eight. And then I would like on my way out, he'd be like setting up his next recording project because he was like working on some other thing at night. Like it's just just like making shit up all day, all night. Um, but I don't know. They're both they're both both processes are cool. I kind of like to do both myself. Like my solo pros- project kind of began because um, I was frustrated on how long it took us to make songs sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, oh, my God, songs are so they're so easy. Like, let's just make some songs. Like, here, here's 10. I just made them, like, yesterday <laughs> or whatever. Like, how hard is it? But I think that's sort of why, you know, why Lightning Bolt is what it is or why our records, like, we don't, you know, maybe some people think some records are better than others. I'm sure they do. And, I you know, I probably do, too. But it's more in terms of sonic quality that a lot of times than song quality. But, I mean, our stuff is really, it's really worked on. It's, it's thought about there's always sections of the record that's improvisational and off the cuff but the songs the origin of songs are all very like raw i don't know it's i'm very raw about the way i approach that stuff and i'm fast and then the bassist is very like he goes deep like i don't know the bassist has a game out called thumper he has a video game out um Mm -hmm. that's pretty rad pretty wild to play but it took him, he was, it was him and then um, one other, it was like a programmer. He was the artist and he was a programmer. And I think it took them seven years to make this game. And I remember looking at the game like four years or three years into the thing. And it was an entirely different game. Because they just like kept morphing it and mutating it. And it's the same things with songs. Like I'm a like, I'm easier to please. I'm kind of like, this song's awesome. Let's do it. And he's like, I don't know. I got to tweak it. We've had songs kind of fall by the wayside because he was like, ah, I can't figure it out. And then, um, and we've had, we've mutated songs so far from their origin that like they're completely different songs. And then I've actually like, sometimes I'll play him like the old song and he's be like, that's cool. What's that? I'm like, that's <laughs> an entirely like, unrecognizable oh. original version of the song we like, play now. It was already now. good then. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a song like on a record, we have this record called Fantasy Empire. And I think the second song is called Over the River and Through the Hills or something. I don't remember. <laughs> I named it, but I don't remember. <laughs> and we play it, but I can't remember it. But, um, but that song was this other song called like Run, Rabbit, Run or something. And there's like YouTube clips of us playing this Run, I think it Run, Rabbit, 
run. There's YouTube clips of us playing this song, and then it just like completely morphed into this other thing. And then like recently, I was just like, hey man, we should like play this the original song. It's like a really cool song that like you got distracted on. <laughs> just we went somewhere else. But um, yeah. So it's so and somewhere between the two of us, we get shit done. But it's a slow process for us. What what's been the funniest reaction from a family member listening to your music, like reacting to either your show or 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 a CD or an album that you gave them? A family member. Yeah. Or I mean, a friend. My wife used to fall asleep like right above where we practiced, <laughs> which is pretty funny. And I remember a friend like bringing his little kid to the show, and his kid fell asleep. So, my I don't, my family like uh, you know they don't no they don't get very deep. The funniest reaction is like, thanks for the CD, son. <laughs> Put it on the shelf. Where do they play it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They haven't, they don't, you know, they, they enjoy that I'm doing this, but yeah. they're not like, man, the bridge in song number three is just <laughs> amazing. What about, I mean, the, I, I, what's Rhode Island like? And what, what was it? just like it? Barcelona. Well, yeah, you you you're an island. You've got you've got water. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, was it a, a was it an ideal place for an, a project like Lightning Bolt to come to fruition? Through like, was it like really boring in the sense that that made you be extra creative and find a, a, an outlet like this? Or is there a scene in Rhode Island that that kind of nurtured this? I mean, we're like we're heading into our you know we're we're like approaching our thirtieth year. So we've literally we've seen you know uh, I don't know like. There's been eras come and go in Providence. So when we started, we both went to art school there. Um, and there was kind of a music scene in the town of these kind of freaks, like local freak scene, mm -hmm. kind of this like rock and roll scene. And um, when we went to some of the shows and it was pretty cool, but there, you know, it wasn't a huge scene and I didn't really know what was going on. We started like, we our first practices were just in the art school, like band room and uh, Yeah, we were just bored and having fun, I guess. But then Providence, you know, we, I got there in the early 90s. And by the mid 90s, it really became like from the mid 90s to the early 2000s. It was like a kind of a it had a heyday. Mm -hmm. And so shortly after we started, like a lot of music started happening and like these amazing spaces kind of started happening. And I think our volume, like our ability to like turn it up was sort of like um, hinged around the fact that Providence had these old these huge old mill buildings and so for years and even today i still have like a space and then a huge old mill building so we were able to practice behind like two foot thick walls wow. and that's kind of a thing and providence had a lot of loud bands and i think a lot of it was because it was like a cheap city where you could rent space in these places and not be around people and just be like super fucking loud and so it it had it had a scene it had kind of an identity as a place with that sort of stuff it's a little less so now like that That was an era, and then there's been other eras. But there's always a mixing of, like, like there's always art school kids coming in. And so there's always sort of a mix of this kind of, like, art school meets whatever Providence people mash up. Yeah. But um, but it's changing. Like, every city that I know of, it's becoming more expensive. It's hard to find space, mm. hard to live. So it's, like, you really got to go. You're not going to find the freedom that you used to have in Providence. Or any city that I can think of, unless you're like in the states and the Midwest, some cities. Mm. But um, it's all over. Yeah, Creativity true. is over. <laughs> There is about... only content. <laughs> There's just enough space and time 
to make some content. Like we're doing right now. Like here. we're doing yeah. right now. Content, content, infinite content. Talking about creativity and art school, uh, you're a comic, uh, comic artist and now they're a graphic designer too. Have you checked the flat stock market on the entrance with all the gig posters? I have not. Oh, it's a match for you now. I, I'm, I'm excited to walk around. We just, we drove from, we were in Madrid earlier and we, so we drove in and, um, and we play like three in the morning and I'm just like, uh, what do I do? Like go to bed for a little while? So I don't know what, tomorrow we have <laughs> And a you're day here off, now. <laughs> and I'm here now. And you have a day off in Barcelona. Yeah. So tomorrow yeah. we're off, but I'll probably, I guess like, I think we'll go to bed at like six and then sleep. Yeah. And then we catch a plane at like four in the morning tomorrow night to go to, uh, Germany for another fest. But I think you're playing on Monday too here. Yeah, and then we come back. Whoa. Oh! Ah, Primavera La Ciudad. You're doing in a double. Sala Boveda. Doing a double. In the Boveda. Well, tell, tell him about Boveda, Sergi. No, is it's, it's a kind of a metal venue, like a rock venue. Okay. Like smaller, right? I mean, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah quite middle. Middle side. So it's good. You get, the, you get the massive festival kind of crowd experience tonight, and then you get the Monday night cozy thing, you know. Germany coming back. I always, I thought all the artists playing twice uh, just got to hang out all week on Primavera well, Sounds expense count. I mean, pretty much <laughs> we could have, but like this fest offered us a bunch of money and we were like, oh, man. you can't say no. <laughs> it's hard to say no. You we gotta like, make money. Our whole plan was to just, we would just be hanging out in Barcelona and uh, we just shot ourselves in the foot with that plan. Yeah. It's over. But it's, is it Rock Am Ring? The one you're going to? Because I think it's we're going to Moore's Fest. Oh, okay. M O E R. But oh. apparently, there's like uh, they're a little worried because um, right next to the venue or this the outdoor concert space, like there's a petting zoo. Oh. And like the alpaca just had a baby. Oh. So they're like a little worried about the sound because the alpaca. Oh, you yeah. can't wake the alpaca. <laughs> the yeah, vibrations. So like I don't. I mean, <laughs> you really want us to come? <laughs> but we, I. Yeah. We had a problem, like Madrid last night, we had a problem with the, the venue got moved at the last minute and we get in there and it's just this classic like 102 dB level sound mm -hmm. limit, like super low for us. Like the drums with no amplification were 105. Oh. And so it was kind of a shit show and it was fun. We got through it, like couldn't hear the bass. But so yeah, I'm a little worried about the alpaca. You can make a lullaby show. I know, yeah. yeah. You, if only we could do that, you know? <laughs> We're just not good at that. The Lightning Bolt Christmas Lullaby album or something <laughs> like that. But that's, you know, you were talking about like gentrification and, you know, how creativity is being suffocated by fucking alpacas and alpacas <laughs> and, and <In> Germany <laughs> and playing in, in, in city venues. There's all this like sound, the, the sound, uh, the volume permits yeah. keep getting going lower and lower because, you know, the, the, the voting neighbors, etc. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it? And, and, and we're, I'm going to pair that with a question like, do you think rock and roll is dying because of what everyone says in the media that now everything has to be beat, beat driven with computers and digital? What's um, your take on that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really pay attention. Uh, um, I, I, this is my disclaimer for everything. It's like I have a five-year-old now, so I'm just like, I don't know. We listen to rock and roll all the time. I know it's like I'm in another dimension. Like I don't know what's going on. But I, yeah, I, it seems kind of dead at times. Because it's like uh, there's definitely a lot of electronic music and people are in their house more like making their thing and people are isolated more making their thing. Mm. Um, and I, I'm part of that. Like I have a solo project. It just happens to be like a, I'm a drummer, so it happens to be drums. But I, don't, I think a lot of people are still into making music and learning instruments. And I'm sure it'll be like it'll go one way and then it'll go back the other way. Yeah, the pendulum swings. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, in but fact, in fact, yesterday we had playing here the Linda Lindas, 
is uh, the Linda Linda is like the, oh, young, the, the youngest Linda the youngest one is 11 years old are you and serious? they yeah. rock out man there's they're incredible that's awesome and it's like okay the future if, if it's in their hands and there's more bands like this it, it, it'll be cool there'll be a bit of everything yeah nothing yeah. has to die yeah they'll inspire like a huge crazy generation of and there's bands like that i mean there's like in providence there's like this girls rock school or camp or something where they there's like linda linda's just like a dozen of them in there just rocking out so yeah. but i mean i don't know space is important for bands so if space is limited it's a problem mm-hmm so well, Brian Chippendale, I have to say goodbye to you. Thank you for coming here to chat a little bit with us. Oh yeah, thanks for having I me. I hope you had a good time. It was awesome. And don't miss them lighting ball at Wigo Stage at three in the morning. And if you miss them on Monday at Sala Boveda. Thank you for coming. Cool. To everybody, you, take Brian, a nap. Take, take a nap at midnight. See you later. <laughs> Give it up for Brian Chippendale from Lightning Bolt. Better Sound 2022. Proudly presented by Cupra.